0: So trusting in the father's leadership through times of difficulty. This is a really big topic, so I'm not going to try to cover all of it in this time. It's more of like an overview to give you little snapshots and little tidbits of things you can explore more later. The biggest way that we know how to trust the father's leadership through times of difficulty through times where it's like. His leadership doesn't always make sense. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's even offensive to our hearts. But the way we know we can trust him is through looking at the way that Jesus trusted him while he endured the cross, while he endured suffering. So we're gonna look at Hebrews 12, verses one and two. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus displayed full trust in the father through the time of his greatest suffering. And this is what will strengthen the church in the last days to persevere through great trial. This is also how we draw strength and courage to trust in him today. So, one of the things that we can look at that Jesus displayed on the cross with confidence and contentment in his father's plan, and two of the passages we're going to look at are Psalm 16 and Psalms 23. I love finding Jesus in the Psalms. I'm a songwriter. I love writing songs, this is what I went to college for. This was like my concentration in my major. And one of my favorite things about songs is the way that you can communicate things through song and through poetry in ways that you can't through any other form of writing. And I think this is one of the things that I love the most about that we find in the Psalms of things that we find about Jesus that we couldn't find anywhere else because it gives us insight into the inner workings of his heart in his life on earth in a way that prose never could. Psalm 16 is an interesting passage. I had to memorize it when I went to Bible school and I was a little confused why he chose this passage because I thought it was like the most random passage ever. I'd never really heard about it. I was like, why didn't he choose something more well-known? I don't understand it. It feels a little scattered. The topics seem all over the place. I was not looking forward to this assignment, but I had to do it anyway. So as I got into it and as I started memorizing and then he started explaining what it was actually talking about, it became alive and I finally started understanding. It became one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. In Acts 2, Peter actually quotes this psalm during his sermon at Pentecost and he tells the people that this psalm is about Jesus, specifically about his death and resurrection. And so we're going to look at this today going to read a few verses. Sadly, I can't get to all of them, but you can look at the rest of them in your own time. They're really great. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. These are the words of Jesus. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance in my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In this passage, Jesus is asking the father to preserve him through death and bring him out on the other side. He's not asking to escape death, but he's asking that the father would sustain him through the process. In verses, the later verses five and six, he calls the father's leadership or his boundary lines pleasant. He knows he's about to die. He knows he's going to face the cross, but he is fully confident and content in the way his father leads him. His father is his inheritance in his cup. We see similar language in Psalms 23 when it says, my cup runs over. To make a longer topic, Condensed based on where these two Psalms were placed in the book of Psalms, they Psalm 16 and 23 are actually about the same thing and were meant to be understood together. So I'm gonna read part of Psalm 23 Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. One of the main things in this portion of Psalm 23 is actually talking about Jesus expressing full confidence in the father's leadership as he endures the cross. When we put Psalm 16 and Psalm 23 together, we see that Jesus is calling out for the Lord to preserve him through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus didn't fear the cross because he knew the father was with him. He had full confidence that death was not the end. It doesn't talk about the shadow of death just because it's an illustration or a metaphor or assimilation or a threat of death. It's talking about death itself, but it's saying that death is only a shadow. Death was swallowed up by fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore when jesus was led through that valley into the other side into the lord's presence jesus was not bitter at the lord's leadership he knew that death was a part of it he knew this was the father's way and he trusted him he had no offense in his heart he called his father's leadership pleasant and good even when it cost him a lot He called out to the Lord. He had full confidence and said, You will not leave my soul in the grave. You are not going to abandon my body. When I die, you're not going to leave me there. It's not going to be in vain. You're going to lead me through the valley to the other side. Death isn't a destination, it's a journey. And the Father was with Jesus the whole way. He brought him to resurrection life. He brought him to the feast to the table that he prepared for him to the comfort he showed him the path of life he gave him his inheritance in the reward of his suffering one of the other aspects that jesus displayed through the cross was his obedience unto death jesus not only proved through the cross that he trusted his father but he also put on display how much he loved his father. Right before he went to the cross, Jesus said that the world may know that I love the father. And as the father gave me commandment, so I do. And this, he was talking about the cross. We typically think of the fact that Jesus went to the cross because he loved us, which is true. However, he also went to the cross to prove his love for the father. The primary way that he expressed that love was through obedience. As a side note, this is also the primary way we express love to father. Jesus was our example. We see in John 15, how he says, the ones who love me are going to obey my commandments. And this is how the father actually showed us this through Jesus. He was the example of how to love the father in this way. He humbled himself becoming a man and was obedient to his father all the way to death even death of the cross. Another passage that further fleshes this out is Psalms 22. This Psalm is quoted in the new Testament several times when it's talking about the cross. It it describes the nails. It describes his clothes being divided. It describes many specific details of his suffering And Jesus actually quotes the first line of this Psalm when he's on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I don't think the main point of Jesus saying that was the theology. That's a much bigger topic of the implications of that question. But what's really helpful to know is this was an actual song that they knew back then. And by Jesus quoting the first line of this song, it was meant to jog their memory so they would know what you're seeing is this song unfolding before your very eyes. The point of this song was Jesus and it always was Jesus. And he was telling them, this is what's happening. There are so many details in this song that just it describes what Jesus experienced. But one of my favorites is a little verse here. It says, Jesus is talking, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. Now, at first glance, this is kind of a weird verse. Initially, I was thinking that's a strange picture analogy for Jesus to use of describing himself as a worm, like he could have picked so many other things. But when you look at the original language, the original word for worm here is not just any worm. It's a special worm that was red in color that people would crush up and use to create red dye for coloring cloth. This word is used 43 times in the Old Testament and 35 of those at least are talking specifically about red cloth made with this method. In this passage, Jesus is not just saying that he's, humbled to be less than human to the extent that he's merely lowly like a worm. He's saying that he has become the one who is crushed to create red, scarlet, or crimson. Ground to pieces. In Isaiah 118, it says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And this is the same word that it uses here. In Psalm 22, we see that this is Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So in this passage, we see Jesus becoming the crimson in our place to make us the white righteousness of God. And that was described right there in the passage. One of the other aspects of Jesus' trust on the cross was the way he fully expressed surrender. He said, into your hands, I commit my spirit to his father at the very end. While he was on the cross, he fully trusted the father, even after he crushed him. In that moment, he had accomplished everything that he had come to earth to do. He had become a baby. He had lived 30 years in obscurity. In anonymity with his birth shrouded in rumors of scandal. He poured his heart and life out for a few years of public ministry in six hours of torture hanging on a cross that he willingly chose for the sake of love. And now it all hung in the balance depending on if the father was faithful. Jesus did his part. Now it was up to the father to finish the work and raise him up again. Even at this point, Jesus has been perfectly faithful to everything the father has said. He has done everything he saw the father doing. He has said everything he heard the father saying. Even to the point of coming to the cross and allowing the father to crush him. And he is completely unoffended. He is completely free of bitterness from the Lord's leadership. He has no malice in his heart. He has no revenge. He has no discontentment, no anxiety, no fear. And he says, into your hands, I commit my spirit to the one who just crushed him. He knows the father like nobody else does. And he chooses to echo the words of Job, though you slay me, I will trust you. Even in the crushing, he is going to follow his father and stay committed to his father the entire way without wavering, without backing down, without giving into fear, without giving into self-pity. Every breath, every step down to his dying moments exuded perfect love and perfect trust for his father. And as he promised, his father was faithful. The hope in Psalm 16 came true and the father vindicated Jesus by raising him up to have the name higher than any other name. The father did not allow his son to decay in the grave, nor did he leave his soul in Sheol. He did show him the path of life and he brought him into fullness of joy in his presence And because the father was faithful to raise him up, we have full confidence that he will also be faithful through the rest of his plan. One of the other verses in Psalm 17, it says, again, the words of Jesus, I will be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. And he's talking about the resurrection. He's saying men in this life who choose wickedness, they might have their portion. They might be temporarily satisfied with wealth they might be satisfied with comfort they might be satisfied in having their own way for a short amount of time but the lord is my portion and i will be satisfied because he is going to resurrect me he said father into your hands i commit my spirit everything i've done up to this point everything i have bled out for everything my soul has desired he said, Father, I want them to be with me where I am. I want them to see my glory. I want them to love me the way that you love me. And I've done my part. I've endured your crushing and here I am I still love you I still want you I still trust you and into your hands I commit my spirit I am putting all my eggs in your basket I am completely entrusting everything I have for you to fulfill your word and the father did he vindicated Jesus he rose him up from the grave and we can have this same confidence That if that is who the father was then, that is who the father still is. And this is how the church in the last days is going to be empowered to endure through suffering. When the church in the last days walks through the valley of the shadow of death, she will not fear. He is our portion in this life, our reward in the next, and we will follow him wherever he goes. On the last page in Psalm 73, it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? There is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We will be those who overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and loving not our lives unto death. We will be a people who know our God, are strengthened unto great exploits, and will turn many to righteousness until we shine like the stars forever. In the midst of suffering, mistreatment, and trial, we will be fully confident in his leadership, knowing that just like for Jesus, death is not the end, but only a shadow. Jesus has become the great forerunner and captain of our salvation. He walked through that valley without fear. And in that day, we, his people will follow him without fear into resurrection life and dwelling with him in his house with fullness of joy forever. We will be the ones who take up our cross and follow him no matter what it looks like. Jesus paved the way, not just through purchasing us and washing us with his blood but also by walking through suffering and showing us how to completely trust his father through the entire thing. He is acquainted with suffering and grief. He already knows everything, but he chose to actually experience this. And now we know with full confidence that we are not alone, no matter what we go through. He has already carried every single one of our griefs before we experienced a single one. He knows what it's like to feel what we feel and to hurt when we hurt. He knows what it's like to suffer and be mistreated. He knows what it's like to follow the father's leadership, even through great difficulty and suffering to the point of being utterly crushed by the father. Without offense, without bitterness. With no pride, with no self-pity, with perfect love and faithfulness in his heart through the whole way. And this is what is available to us as his people. No matter what we go through in life, even when we don't understand his leadership, Jesus proved to us that our father is trustworthy and will keep his promises. We never walk through the valley alone because truly he is with us. He is the one who comforts and strengthens our hearts in the midst of hardship. Jesus trusted the Father's leadership and endured the cross for the sake of love and for the joy set before him. And we will do the same. In Daniel 11 33, 12 3, it says, And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Those who are wise, shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn to many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. And it talks about earlier on in Daniel in Daniel seven. This is one of the visions that Daniel was given. It's talking about the Antichrist, it's talking about Jesus, it's talking about his return and talking about the church in that day. It says, the saints will be given into his hand, which is the Antichrist for a time and times in half a time. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the most high. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. In all dominions shall serve and obey him. Jesus endured the cross to receive his suffering, to endure his suffering, to receive his inheritance, much better. (laughs) better motivation and this is the same thing that's going to happen with the church he's the lamb who is worthy to receive the nations because he was slain he is the one worthy to take the scroll because he was slain because he endured the wrath of god and the church is going to be the one who also endures the cross for the joy set before her she is going to go through the same type of crushing The same type of proving her love, proving her trust for the Father, proving her devotion to Jesus. He is going to have a bride who is equally yoked to him, not one who is apathetic, not one who is lukewarm, one who will love him to the point of death, love him to the point of, even though they are utterly mistreated, even though. The father is the one who is in charge of the crushing and he's leading all of history. She is going to fully love that man and she is going to follow him and walk in his footsteps without offense, without revenge, with no bitterness, with no malice, with no self-pity, with no pride. And she will receive her inheritance. Jesus received rulership of the nations. He received his inheritance, the joy set before him after going to the cross. And so will we. We will receive the kingdoms just like Jesus did. We are co-heirs with him. We will reign and rule with him forever. And the way that we will be counted worthy is enduring through suffering, proving that the father's leadership is faithful through the way that we love him to the very end like Jesus did we will echo the words of Jesus saying the boundary lines have fallen to me in pleasant places yes I have a good inheritance I'm just going to pray now Jesus thank you for the love that you showed thank you that you proved That your father is good and that your father is trustworthy through the good times, through the bad times, through the times of difficulty, through the times of suffering, through the times when we don't see, when we don't understand, the times when it even seems like it's all your fault that you're the one who is causing the pain and difficulty, that he proved that you are faithful in those times of our lives. He showed us the way to love you. He showed us the way of full surrender, of full confidence in your leadership, of full contentment and trust in your promises. And Father, we're asking for grace. That as we look to Jesus, that you would give us grace in our hearts that as we look to you the author and finisher of our faith the one who started this good work in us and the one who will be faithful to complete it the one who is able to present us faultless before the throne of glory in your presence with exceeding joy father show us the beauty of your son in a greater way strengthen us to love like he did Strengthen us to be faithful, to walk worthy of him. Father, we love you. We love your son. Jesus, we love you. I just want to invite you guys to stand. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for what you did. You didn't have to, but you chose to. For the love of your Father. For the love of your people. We want to love you in the same way. We want to love you in the way that you're due. We want to follow in your footsteps. We want to trust you. Just like you trusted your Father. Actually believing that you are with us. Through every season of the soul. Fully strengthening us to walk worthy of you. Father, we bless you. Come move in our midst.